gamification is not for everyone or not for every situation, let's say. Because we need to remember the first time of gamification. And the first time of gamification is to change the behavior of a group of people. So let's suppose we have a group of students that are not motivated to study and are, for instance, uh, dropping out in the school. So this is a situation when if you increase the motivation of the students, probably we will change the behavior of these students, right? So this is a case when we can use gamification because it's a clear situation when we need to change the behavior of a group of people. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with friend and co-host Mike Jones. Hey, Mike. Hey, Tiffany. This is a series that Mike and I are super excited about as we explore gamification on the IWU campus. And this is part two with Wilk Oliveira. Welcome back, Wilk. Hey, nice to be here. It's a big pleasure. Thank you. For those that didn't get a chance to catch part one, please go back and listen on your favorite podcast provider. Otherwise, we're going to continue that conversation on gamification. Three things come to mind. First of all, I usually use Peloton examples. My husband and I both own a Peloton bike and there's a leaderboard on there. And first thing he does when he gets on the bike is turn the leaderboard on and it drives him crazy that the first thing I do is swipe it away. (laughs) He said, how would you ever get a personal record if you don't even know what other people are doing, what you did last time? And I said, I wouldn't even get on the bike if that leaderboard was up there because it just intimidates (laughs) me and stresses me out. It's too much pressure. (laughs) Whereas he, if he didn't have it, he would feel lost and he wouldn't get on the bike. So I thought that preference, it really is unbelievable. What motivates someone primarily can be, like you said, a negative impact, not just a neutral impact, but a negative impact. If I had to see the leaderboard, I can't promise I would do the workout. (laughs) Right. So that came to mind. And then a second thing was we have human resources training as all employees do, I hope. And recently they did roll out a version where you can select if you want the traditional content quiz, content quiz, or if you want the gamified version, if you want a scenario that you can work through and answer and see a progress board. And even that, completing that on my couch. And my husband said, did you just turn down the game option? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm not doing the game. I want the traditional thing. And he's like, you were, you were ridiculous. You know? <laughs> and it's just so funny how that matters. That choice does matter. I appreciate that the game option is available, but to also have the version that speaks to me, I guess, uh, motivates me was important. The third thing I wondered was you were mentioning the pretest that folks can take about their preferences, and then mentioning that some of the latest research is about determining what are those, I can't remember the word that you used, but those key or those star items that make for a gamified experience. Are there certain researchers or works that even you have that you would refer us to, to get us started 
I know there's a lot to be done in that area, but if we're looking for like the five characteristics that contribute to a, a solid gamified experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What are those? Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, first of all, I I really need to talk something about, about about the first point because it's important every time we keep in our mind the difference between uh, personalization and customization in gamification. These are two different concepts that I think that are important to uh, introduce here. When you have the opportunity to, for instance, skip some uh, game element or just decide, hey, I don't want to have this lot of uh, game things here in my screen, and you have the option to do it by yourself, this is not really personalization. Uh, this is a concept used for that is customization. And there are a lot of studies about customization in gamification, but, but, but it's interesting to perceive that for some reason, most of the students are investing in customization only in personalization. And maybe you can think why. Huh? Because it's easy if you have a lot of game elements and just include like an X in the game element and you give to the user the opportunity to him or her just click in the X and remove that game element from the screen. But for some reason, the research are not really investing in customization, are investing more in personalization. And the only reason for that is that the, the results of some recent studies identified that most of the people don't really like to customize the screen. So if a person can perceive a leaderboard or a ranking in the screen, and also the same person have the opportunity to remove that leaderboard from the screen, even if the person is not motivated for that element, in my example, the leaderboard, the person prefer don't remove the hmm. leaderboard from Just don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And of course, it's like, hey, I prefer to be unmotivated by yeah. this element than to remove this element from the skin. And motivated so, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the reason. So you're exceptional, Tiffany. You actually remove it. Whoop. I know. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's uh, saying something. We're gonna turn this into a whole different. We need to analyze my <laughs> my state of mind and my motivations right now. <laughs> yes, maybe we need to conduct some one-term study with you. It's uh-huh. a kind of study that we conducted with only one person. <laughs> we or if the leaderboard online. only had Tiffany's name on it and her last score, so she could just beat herself. But nobody else's name and nobody else could see it. But see, know. that's still so stressful because I want to believe that it was worth working out and that I should feel good about myself, even if I didn't PR, you know? That's good. Good positivity. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying. An example for that. It's that, for instance, in my case, I don't like to remove the game elements. I use it, of course, in some sometimes of my life, uh, this kind of system that give me the opportunity to remove the, the game elements from the screen, screen. But I, for some reason, I don't feel good to remove. I feel like, hey, if I remove this element, I am a loser. For some reason, I don't know exactly, but this is, <laughs> this is my mind. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm so glad you took the time to differentiate between customization and personalization because as much as I'd like to think I'm special, there's no way I'm the only one who will run into that confusion. You know, the only listener or the only faculty out there who will think of them as being the same or very similar. So it's nice to have that differentiation, especially if we're looking in the literature to determine high leverage practices for gamification. We don't want to be confused by aiming for a customizable experience in priority to actually just providing personalization. So that's really helpful. Uh That other question that I started to get to was just, is there any shorter list or really good seminal work or something that begins to outline the few characteristics that make for a promising gamified learning environment. And I know that everyone's tackling this right now in your area is trying to determine those characteristics, but is there a good place for us to get started if we're looking to gamify now? Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Yes, in fact, there are some, let's say, initial studies about it. I have two suggestions. The first is that there are two big groups in the world producing that kind of studies. One of these is the, I don't remember exactly the name of the group, but is the group advised by Professor Leonard Nake in Canada. It's really producing a lot of good studies. And the other one is the gamification group in Finland that is led by Professor Yuho Hamari, that is my boss effect. The main groups in the world are trying to produce results about it. And my second suggestion is an study recently published by my student because it's one of the first studies in the world that are linking the preference and the gamification design. So basically, they study first identified the profile of students or general people and then identified what are the most suitable gamification designs for each kind of uh, user type. So I think that this study is a good point of start to you understand, first, how to identify the profile of a student. Second, what is the most suitable game design for each kind of student, and then how to implement in practice because she provided some suggestions in terms of practical design about how to personalize the gamification for it kind of user type. Where can we find that study? Well, this study was published in a journal called uh, User Modeling and Adapted Interaction is one of the most famous journals in the world in terms of uh, user personalization. And the title of this article is the, the relationship between user types and gamification design. And good because this article is on open access, so everyone can access the, the article for free. Also, another suggestion that also I can provide is like an extra suggestion, is to read my book about tailored gamification in education. This is the title of the book. It's the first book about personalization of gamification in education. This book was published three or four years ago. I'm not sure. And the title is The Tailored Gamification for Educational Technology was published by Springer Natri. It's not for free, but it's available in this book. Maybe 
you will not have a practical instruction about how to gamify exactly or how to personalize the gamification effect, but you have a big notion about the theory behind the personalization of gamification. That's so good. So my notes here, Tiffany, I've got, first, you need to pretest to discover personalization traits, then deliver content based on those traits. But it's not going to hurt to add customization ability as well, right? Because sometimes we think we want something and then we don't. And then to create yeah. gamification as a goal of motivating to learn. So mm -hmm. those are my key takeaways so far. And we still got a couple of questions to go. This is amazing. Thanks, Wilk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Boy, that first definition of gamification where it was more or less just adding like a least disruptive element like a badge sure seemed a lot mm -hmm. simpler than full-on transformation, didn't it? <laughs> right. I'm yeah. excited and yet intimidated by the newer definition of gamification and learning. So it's interesting because in the first years that the research started to, to investigate the effects of gamification, basically they used only three different uh, game elements in all of the studies that are points badges and leaderboards, only these three gamification elements. And in the first years of gamification, let's say in the first decade of studies about gamification, research used only these three gamification elements in general. In let's say 95% uh, of these studies, only these three elements were used. And of course, it was important because the studies about gamification was like just boring, just starting. But now we perceive that it's not enough and is bad when you are using only these three gamification elements. Two or three years ago, for instance, together with some colleagues, I published a study with a taxonomy defining gamification elements to be used in, in education. And we identified 21 different gamification elements that can be oh, used wow. in education. And also in this taxonomy, we identified that these 21 gamification elements can be organized, can be divided in five different dimensions according to the aim of the teacher. So for instance, social gamification that are a group of gamification elements that you can use, for instance, if your aim as a teacher is to increase the social interaction of students. Or another dimension is KO the personal. That is, if your aim is to motivate a specific person in the classroom, and etc. So in summary, in the first moment of gamification, research are like a considering gamification as only three, only three gamification elements, points, badge, and leaderboards. And now we advance it and identify that have a lot of gamification elements that can be used in education. In our taxonomy, we present more specifically uh, 21 gamification elements organized in five different dimensions. And now, of course, we need to advance more and more and more. And for instance, try to identify how exactly, how in practice to use these different 21 gamification elements to produce good effects in the people behavior. Do you cover those in your book as well, Wilk? No, no, it's not in the book. It's in another uh, article. This article was published 
in the Smart Learning Format Journal is another Springer Nature Journal. I don't remember the title of the article. It's like something like a taxonomy, taxonomy of gamification elements in education or something like that. Of course, are a lot of papers. I don't remember the title of all of my papers, but of course, I can send this paper for um, people that are interested. That would be so helpful for that our one audience. Would be- yeah, that one would be amazing. I'm already envisioning, um, I promise we won't do this unless you want to sell this merchandise online, but I'm imagining like a poster hanging outside of Mike in my office of this taxonomy in five dimensions. And we're like standing yeah. up, having a meeting, going through the different elements and tying them to learning objectives. That could be, could or be awesome. we're going to have Will come and present on those Will taxonomies come and present. for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it, it would be a pleasure. But now, currently here in Brazil, it's interesting because we can use this taxonomy or this general gamification elements in systems. I mean, in digital systems, for instance, a gamified uh, learning system, but we can also use in a classroom, for instance, without any technology, without any digital technology, it's possible. In Brazil, currently, for instance, the Minister of Education is training teachers to use gamification without a specific digital technology. Oh, Just really? using, for instance, papers, post-its, keyboard, and, yeah, and the general technology. I KO'd uh, this uh, like an unplugged gamification. It's not an yeah. official term. It's like Wilkes' term <laughs> to define the use of gamification in general environments without the need of a specific digital system. And I am one of the responsibles for training the Brazilian teachers about how to use these 21 gamification elements in the classrooms. So it's possible to use this taxonomy to implement gamification in a gamified learning system, of course, but it's also possible to use these gamification elements in a traditional classroom. Yeah. Fantastic. That's so I good. Love it. I know we have more questions to get to and so little time. And I hate that because I feel like we could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> There's a concept called flow that you publish about and I've learned about in positive psychology courses, but I'm curious how you would describe flow from your career in gamification. <laughs> well, I really like this term flow. And yes, I'm dedicated to investigate about uh, gamification and flow in the last years. But for this podcast today, I don't want to explain about the scientific definition of flow. I will sure. say my let's say my personal definition of flow. For me, flow is that moment when you are completely concentrated, completely focused in something. For instance, for sure, some moment you are playing a game and you just forgot the world around you. Uh, maybe your husband or your parents <laughs> said, hey, Tiffan, come here, come to lunch. Your lunch is ready, come here. But you just keep your mind in the game and we just like forgot the world around you this is the flow this is the flow it's a moment of very intense concentration in some task in some activity in some moment and 
In the last many years, in the last decades, I would say, many different researchers identified that if you are in flow during a learning moment, your learning process will be deep. I mean, you will probably learn with more pleasure. So one of my aims as a research is to use gamification to provide a flow experience for students. I mean, use the idea of gamification in a classroom or in a gamified learning system to increase the motivation of students and maybe to provide a flow experience for the students that are using the system. So this is the flow for me, and this is my aim in use flow. And of course, it's not easy to provide a flow experience in some activity, but I am dedicating my last years as a researcher to execute this kind of studies and investigate if it's really possible to use gamification to provide a flow experience for students. Yeah, especially when it comes to education, right? So I used to experience flow all the time. The job that I had allowed me to isolate and I could just really focus. And man, I mean, I could almost see, there was a movie called Pushing 10 that came out and it showed how a the person in charge of landing airplanes at the airport, the name is escaping me, but it kind of showed this flat 2D screen with these little green blips on it. That was his radar. That's how I saw it. But the way that he saw it was in like this third dimension, right? third or fourth dimension. They could see the planes and track them off those blips. And so I would get that way with Excel spreadsheets and stuff like that. And that flow, my wife would bring food in and set it on the table. I wouldn't even realize it was there just because I was so focused. And she knew that when I was in that zone, my ability to do was tenfold in a flow zone. I don't get to experience that much anymore because my work is so diverse and full of interruption. It's just the nature of how it works. But when I do experience it now is when I'm in my VR headset playing a game. Hours will go by, especially if it's one that's really engaging, and I won't even notice it's happened until my battery flashes that I'm about to lose battery. So I think it is possible, but you're right. It's figuring out how to do it in a way that we can deliver educational content in the same way that's that engaging and motivational to learn. That's really fascinating. Yeah, it's because in education, it's more difficult to active flow experience, of course. Studies indicate that we have three main kinds of activities that we are more able to active flow experience. One is playing game or practicing some sports. The second is uh, during the sex. The third is when doing some activities related to eat something, like uh, eating good food. and after that, have a lot of others kind of activities that are more uh, specific or more promising to active the flow, for instance, in some religious ceremonies. But education is not within the main kind of activities that is more easy, let's say, to active the flow experience. So it's a big challenge to provide some kind of environment, uh, digital or not, in education that are really able to provide a flow experience is a big challenge. Bring on the endorphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, this is a great 
conversation. Like Tiffany said, this is, I think there's a lot more questions to ask, but mm -hmm. it really comes down to, and what I've heard you say is that gamification may not be for everyone or for everything. So if you've got a room full of course designers and instructional designers, what might be some key differentiators that you would tell them to be aware of when it comes to whether or not we should gamify something? Mm -hmm. Well, first point, of course, gamification is not for everyone or not for every situation, let's say, because we need to remember the first time of gamification. And the first time of gamification is to change the behavior of a group of people. So let's suppose we have a group of students that are not motivated to study and are, for instance, uh, dropping out in the school. So this is a situation when if you increase the motivation of students, probably we will change the behavior of these students, right? So this is a case when we can use gamification because it's a clear situation when we need to change the behavior of a group of people. But if you are in a different situation, if you are, for instance, a teacher in a high school uh, and all of your students are very motivated, you don't need to change the behavior of uh, these students. So in this case, gamification is not necessary. In fact, every time I use this example, in the last year, America is with problem that a lot of people are become more fat. And of course, this is bad for the general health of uh, the people and for the health system of the country, because it's increasing a lot of uh, health problems. So in this case, it's very necessary to change the behavior of people in terms of general quality of life, in terms, for instance, trying to motivate people to uh, eat better or better, trying to motivate people to go to the gym and et cetera. But in many countries, in many countries in Europe, people are self-motivated to go to the gym and to keep the health. So this is a clear situation when in one country you can, and it's, it's a good idea to use gamification to change the behavior of the people in that country. And we have a group of other countries that it's not necessary to use gamification for that specific situation. So the first point is, in my opinion, of course, gamification is not for everyone. Gamification needs to be used when it's necessary. And gamification is necessary when you need to change the behavior of a group of people. Mm -hmm. But about how to implement it, or let's say my one tip to gamification designers or for general designers about how to identify and how to do that for me, it's very simple. You just need to identify first point, it's necessary I change the behavior of these people. If so, okay, it's a good idea to use gamification, but please try to use gamification in a correct way. Try to consider the possibility of personalized gamification and the other points that uh, we talked here during our conversation. But 
If you don't need to change the behavior of a group of people, I don't think that is really necessary to use gamification. So the point is use gamification if it's necessary you change the behavior of a group of people. Mm -hmm. I love that. We're in the process right now of reviewing some courses that have been problem courses for us to keep students in. And in those courses, I'm sitting here going, well, you need to definitely change the behavior, right? We don't want them to fail or drop or withdraw from those courses. And this might be an answer yeah. for those ones that shuffle down into that category of just tough to complete courses. Whereas some of our rockstar courses may not need any of that type of component. So you've, you've garnered great wisdom on us today, Wilk. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Yeah. And that answer tied back to our very first question about, is it a fad or not? It's like, it's a fad if you're doing it just to do it or because you want to get on the gamification train. But if you're doing it to change the behavior, if you're using it and you're looking at the research to see how to implement it, then it's not a fad. It yeah. could be very effective. So just thank you for the way that you tied the whole conversation together. And it's always exciting when we have this podcast that's broken into two parts. It's an hour long, but really it just is a launching point for all the research that we're motivated to go and review. The taxonomy, can't wait to see it. Can't wait to share it. Your book, the work that your colleagues uh, and you continue to do, your students' work. How neat is that, that we can honor and celebrate your students' work as being one of the first, if not the first study to tie together preferences in the design. Um, just so much for us to be thinking about. So thank you for your time, Wilk. Well, uh, it will be a pleasure to, to share my materials with you. And for me, it was really nice to be here. I really like to talk about my research in my digital life. So thank you so much for your invitation. I, I hope to have new opportunities in the future. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, and even if we can aspire to it, we'll take you up maybe on an opportunity to extend maybe some of your research back here uh, in the States at our own institution and see, you know, if we're going to be involved in this work, maybe we can help collect some data and yes. send yes. it your way. Yeah, so. yeah. For all of our listeners, this completes our series with Wilk Alvera, but I am confident that this is going to be a returning guest. We have so much more to revisit with him on gamification. And as we explore it at our institution and as you explore it at yours, we'll be collecting additional questions that we can ask him and hope for updates on his research. You can connect with resources mentioned in this series of episodes on our website, digitaltolearn.com with numerical two. In the meantime, please like and share the Digital to Learn podcast and come back next week for a new guest and a new topic. See you then. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.